This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Happy All-Star break, everyone. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favalli for another episode of Hardwood Knocks. Andy Bailey cannot be with us today. He is uh, traveling out of town somewhere. We're not actually sure where. He didn't but ask Dan- us if he could travel, but... Yeah, I know. I mean, apparently we don't always have to give permission. But Dan and I are here. We are hopefully going to provide some entertainment for you guys while, uh, while games are not actually happening. And we're going to start out by talking about headphones because apparently technology is of import to us lately. I am so frustrated by headphones. Like they're really useful and I can never ever find them. And then when I do, they get tangled. And I think that's like the useful piece of equipment that I hate more than anything in the world. I don't have as big a problem with headphones as you, I guess it sounds like you need to get like the Apple AirPods. I probably do. They're only $170. And if you iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Lose one, they'll replace them, both of them, for only 100 That's a bargain. No. My wife for Christmas got me this like $50 pair of, uh, of the wireless headphones that you can, you know, attach behind your head and stuff. And I have no idea where they are because I apparently lose well, every just moves, pair of headphones right? imaginable. 
Yeah, I mean, but I, we moved before Christmas, so that's not uh, really an excuse. <laughs> I have these. My fiance got me these these wireless uh, Beats, but they're over the head, so I only use them. I don't even. I use them on the train when I'm going to Nets games, but I only use them on the way back because I'm not. I don't want to mess up my hair before I'm on site all day. So I think that I, makes sense. I think I need the earbuds now is what I'm thinking of. But you had headphone problems. Andy was having webcam problems last time. The Hardwood Knox podcast cannot catch a break, and I feel like Apple needs to sponsor us now because this would be – they swoop in, they solve all our tech issues, and then they come off looking like this superhero conglomerate. Didn't they like like one of the things we posted on Twitter about the last episode because we spent too much time talking about them at the beginning? I don't know what happened, but it was someone from Apple liked it. It wasn't Apple itself, but someone from Apple liked it. Hey, maybe we'll get like Beats now. That's fine. We're gonna have a really weird list of sponsors eventually. <laughs> um, that would be a surprise sponsor, who much like some of the teams in the league this season. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> Sorry, that was a cheap segue. But I don't think you know. I don't think our half dozen listeners care about our tech issues as much as <laughs> as much as we think they do. No, probably not. I'll let you continue your segue. So Apple would be a surprise sponsor for this podcast, but welcome. In the NBA, there are some teams that have surprised us as well, many of which are unwelcome, but there are some that are welcome. With that segue, let's kind of start off on a happy note because it's we're recording this on a Friday. Who's been the team that's surprising you the most in a good way? It's got to be the Wizards. I don't think anyone really saw this ascent coming. I mean, Bill Simmons completely wrote them off early in the year. I completely wrote them off. I didn't think there was any chance they were going to make the playoffs, much less emerge as a candidate for home court advantage. Going into the All-Star break, they're 34-21, and 21, trailing only the Celtics and Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference. And they just keep getting better and better. And if they make a, a, any sort of deal to shore up the bench before the, de- the uh, trade deadline, they could be one of the really, really potent teams in the playoffs. John Wall having the best season of his career. Bradley Beal has become a dynamic offensive player. Still can't play defense, but that's almost irrelevant because he's shooting the ball so well. And then Otto Porter has been a huge surprise this season to the point that I think he should have been the Kevin Love injury replacement for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. God, there are so many points I want to hit on there. Is One thing I want to ask, get out of the way, does it matter that this is kind of where maybe we expect them to be a little bit lower, but at the beginning of the season, wouldn't you have said the Wizards are going to contend for a top-four spot, and then this is just surprising because they set the bar so unbelievably low in the first 15 or 20 games? I don't think so. I mean, I, if you'd asked me before the start of the season, which at some point you did, it would have been Cleveland, Boston, and Toronto as the clear-cut class of the East. And then I think I, I would have had Milwaukee and Atlanta ahead of anybody else. And I really like Detroit as well. You know, I didn't, I didn't see the Reggie Jackson injury issues and the, the chemistry concerns that have emerged there as problems. That's fair. And to your point about them needing to acquire someone for the bench, that's the only thing that's stopping me from going all in on them right now. If you look at this crazy stretch they've had since Christmas, only the Timberwolves have used their reserves less. And I don't think that you want to say, hey, we're in contention with rest averse Tom Thibodeau for who can use their bench less. That, that's, 
These guys are young enough when you look at John Wall, Otto Porter, even Marcus Morris, Bradley Beal. Like, that's fine. But let's talk mid-April. You want to play into May. Fatigue will become a factor. and You want to be able to stretch your rotation seven or eight quality guys deep. And you're giggling right now. I'm not really sure. Can you hear these sounds that are coming through my head? (laughs) Yes, I was trying to. It sounds like a dog is prancing on, like, laminate. Is that what's happening? Yeah, so one of my dogs has decided that she really desperately wants me to play fetch with her. So she keeps running up and dropping the rubber ball, and then when it doesn't stop, she's chasing after it and running into things and trying again. (laughs) I wish I could see it. I'm not sure you do. It's kind of pathetic. And I'm going to let you monologue for a minute while I go put her upstairs. So back back to the Wizards. The only thing stopping me from going all in on them would be the lack of, of one more bench piece. Jan Mahinmi is going to give them depth behind Marcin Gortat now that he's back. Kelly Oubre Jr. has been good at points, at, at least playable. But it seems like they need that other guy. And Thomas Sadoransky hasn't been it. Trey Burke hasn't been it. Marcus Thornton certainly hasn't been it. Can they go out there and get that extra player? And I know a lot of people want said player. Clint Williams. That, I was just about to, wow, you kind of rolled in this one because I'm about to berate people who want them to get Lou Williams. Would be a fantastic offensive addition off the bench. You cannot play him with Bradley Beal and John Wall. You can't, like, the defensive matchups just wouldn't track. Already, sometimes the Wizards throw Otto Porter on point guards over John Wall. has been fantastic on defense. And he already has to cover up for Bradley Beal, Porter, and even both Wall. You can't add Lou Williams into that mix. And I'm not saying so you I do. I get that, but, but I'm going to counter by saying this is a Wizards bench that ranks in the bottom 10 on both ends of the ball when the starters aren't on the court. And I would rather you get a really dynamic one-way player than a mediocre two-way player and at least give that bench some sort of identity. Maybe you can't play Lou Williams with Bradley Beal, but at least you can play him with everyone else and give your bench some sort of punch and some sort of identity. Right, but it's... You play Bradley Beal and John Wall so much, I'd rather you get a guy who could play more minutes at a bigger area of need. Like, if you pick up a wing player, and now I'm about to pimp myself here, but Tabo Zephalosha, if you can get him, and you probably don't have to give up a first-round pick for him at this point if you package him with Andrew Nicholson's deal or something. Like, so I came up with a trade package that you either hated or liked. I can't remember, but that would seem to be the, the better acquisition because – do you want to give up a first-round pick for a bench player? And if you do, it better not be Lou Williams. Is there a better option out there then that would maybe be so, I mean, a better middle ground? Yes, Tabo would probably be a better fit. But the Hawks are also in contention for home court in the in the opening round in the East, and they're not just going to give up a really key rotation player for scraps. Can the, I? The Lakers might. Like if you you might be able to get away with offering like Kelly Weebre and a second round pick for Lou Williams if they get desperate at the deadline and just really want to move him. You would give up Kelly over the future first? Absolutely, because I don't know where you're going to play Kelly with Otto Porter on that team. I guess that's fair. Can I, I have a conspiracy theory about the Hawks that looks less likely to come true with each passing day. They, I thought, yanked the idea of a fire sale off the table back in January because they know that the East is such a mess that if they get to a point um, by the trade deadline where they could deal Paul Millsap and Tavo Zephalosha and other players where they wouldn't fall out of the playoff race, they still get the revenue from two playoff games wherever they land. 
in the season, and then you jumpstart your rebuild. I don't think it's headed that direction because the Paul Millsap front has been so unbelievably quiet. The top suitor in the Toronto Raptors just went and got a Baca, but that was my conspiracy theory, and I'm kind of depressed that it didn't come true. I believed it at first. Like I thought that they were just pulling him off the market to wait and increase the value, but I do think they legitimately want to go into the playoffs at full strength. Yeah, bounced in the first round or second round, yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably the second round or the first, I guess. I mean, look who they could match up with. It's going to be the Wizards or the Raptors. That's not... Who in the world knows? Like, I don't think... At this point, looking at the Eastern Conference standings, there are, like, 11 teams who could conceivably have home court advantage in the first round. Is, Is it 11? You're going all the way down to the Hornets? It's a little steep. Yeah, eight and a half games back of four. It's very unlikely, but... I'll give you nine when we go down to the Bucks. but we have a okay. third of the season left to play. I don't know who's erasing yeah. a seven-game gap. The Knicks, though, they're only four well, games apparently out of the Well, anyone can go on a 13-game winning streak like the Miami Heat, who are another surprise team this year. Well, at least the Heat have an identity, which is a good segue into the Heat. They've been a good surprise recently winning 13 of 15, I think it is now, or uh, excuse me, 14 of 16, but they, they play defense for most of the season and, and now they're playing harder and, and they're establishing an identity on offense. James Johnson is going to get paid. I don't know who's going to pay him. It probably shouldn't be Miami. Just looking at the timeline of the rest of their roster and you already have Dragic and Whiteside there, but he has been, I haven't watched him as much as I should, but he has been, Every time I watch him, I'm just blown away. It looks like I'm watching someone who is going to be a star, and I forget that he's not really young and that he's not, not going to be a star, but you just watch him and you see like one of the most versatile players in the game over this past 20-game stretch. I think that James Johnson is one of the best pieces of evidence we have for Eric Spolstra being an elite NBA coach because we weren't really sure. We and were he, sure. Come on. We, we were sure. I'm not <laughs> sure the world at large was sure because it was so easy to default to the stance that LeBron James and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade are going to make anybody look good, regardless of what he was doing with with doing away with traditional position assignments and getting really creative out of timeouts. But now, like just the juxtaposition of Johnson's role with the Toronto Raptors where Dwayne Casey didn't let him handle the ball and really limited his impact on both ends into this monster that he's been for Miami who can contribute in so many different areas. I think that is is such a testament to Spolstra's creativity and his willingness to think outside the box and maximize in a lot of ways like Rick Carlisle does with the Mavericks. Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything you've said there. And if they make the playoffs – he has to go into the coach of the year conversation, right? Because it's not going to go to somebody who doesn't get into the playoffs. But they're two games back or so, and the offense is really, really starting to come together. It's amazing. Dragic has been great. James Johnson has helped. Deion Waiters, for the most part, has played out of his mind. Um, they Over their last 15 games, they rank seventh in points scored per 100 possessions. That's That's a big deal. Like, 15 games isn't that small of a stretch. If you can go that long and play like a top 10 offense while maintaining a defense that has been in the top five during that stretch, but was hot and cold all season yet still kind of hovered around top 10 territory. You're giving yourself a, a chance and the heat have just gone from these foregone sellers 
to now people talk about them being buyers. I don't know that they should be buyers because who on that roster are you going to trade? You, you know, your one-year contracts aren't that valuable. You shouldn't be giving up the youngsters. You stand pat and you chase a playoff berth in my mind and then see where you are in free agency and go from there. If you told me that Josh Richardson was going to have a really disappointing season and the Heat were going to be surging into playoff contention around the All-Star break, I would have looked like looked at you like you were crazy before and the start of the year. And that's exactly what's happening. And what if we added that their defense would still be really good and Justice Winslow would be shut down for the rest of the season? Nothing makes sense. And Hassan Whiteside's been bad. Like, right. that's the most amazing better. part of this. He's been better, but his defensive impact is just... It's not what you expect it to be. And his offense is... I don't know that his offense is bad so much as miscast. What do you mean? I mean that if you put him on a team where he is able to be like a third scorer, he's going to look a lot better than working on a roster that's still trying to force him the ball and let him shoot too many jumpers and attempt too many post-ups. And he, he's overextended in this role right now, and it's making him look a lot worse on offense than his abilities should make him look. It would help if the Heat were better at spacing the floor consistently. Like, they've been, they've been better of late, but he needs, if you're going to run a guy like that, especially post-ups where he doesn't really have the coordination or, or the footwork uh, to beat guys one-on-one, he needs the space. And they, if don't, you put, they don't give him that enough. If you put Whiteside in Andre Drummond's role on the Detroit Pistons, he would be so good. The Pistons don't do a great job of spacing the floor either. The, the but at Pist- least they try to. If Last year's Pistons is what I would say, because Stan Van Gundy's even kind of gotten away from the pick-and-roll attack, which Whiteside would need to be in. So if you put, you put Whiteside on last year's Pistons, that team, that team surges. Yeah, I agree. So do the Heat make the playoffs? So who's in front of them? Milwaukee's in front of them. I don't think Milwaukee's going to make it. You have the Jabari Parker injury. They, they haven't gotten over their crunch time issues. You still have Giannis Antetokounmpo mostly playing out of his mind, and you're not winning some games that you should win. Will Detroit or Chicago fall off is kind of the question. It looks like the Hornets are donezo unless they make a trade deadline move. The Knicks aren't coming. No. It comes back to the Bulls and the Pistons. I don't know who would be more likely to fall off. I want to say the Bulls would be, just just because I expect them to do something incredibly stupid at the (laughs) trade deadline, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to say, as I continue to ramble, I'm going to say yes. What say you? (laughs) I'm going to say no. Really? I I think the Bulls are going to fall off, but I think the Heat are too. I mean, yes, they Reasoning just won a lot for that of games. Being. They won a lot of games, but who did they beat? Like, if you look at their schedule... They just beat the Rockets. I mean, yeah, they, they have some good wins in there. But, like, okay, let's, let's go through this win streak. They beat the Rockets at the start of it. Then they beat Dallas. Then they beat Milwaukee, who we just established as struggling. Then they beat Golden State, which was the huge surprise with that Deion Waiters big shot at the end. And then we had Brooklyn, Charlotte, but they, Detroit... They beat teams that were in front of them. Atlanta, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Houston. It's not... there are some good wins in there, but... They beat Houston twice. They they beat Houston Houston twice. twice. And 
Dallas has been playing better. Like at that point is kind of when they were kind of on that turnaround in mid to late January. The Bulls and the the Pistons are not good or great teams, but they're in front of the Heat. Atlanta is in front of the Heat. Minnesota has played better basketball of late. The Bucks, For what it's worth, Atlanta always struggles against Miami. I don't know why. It just always seems that way. Have they forgot, though, that LeBron James isn't in Miami no. anymore? You could mistake it. There are some times, very, but if you watch James Johnson I mean, barrel, up, here. barrel up the floor, it looks like LeBron James. I, I feel the same way with Trevor Booker, too. Don't ask me why, but when I see those two guys dribble up the court at full speed, the plays that they make are not at LeBron James's level. That's not what I'm saying. The, just the... When you look at it really quickly, it's like, damn, they kind of look like LeBron. The title of this podcast, Dan equates Trevor Booker and James Johnson with LeBron James. Oh, here we go. But, yeah, that's all I'm saying is James Johnson and Trevor Booker are better than LeBron James. That's the only point I was trying to make. Yeah, so I'm I'm still not a huge believer in this Heat team. I think that they're going to fall back to earth at some point in the near future. I don't believe in the Bulls either. I think they're due for some regression. But I can't shake – this feeling that the Pistons are going to break out of the slump. Reggie Jackson is just too talented to keep playing like this, and I like too many of their players. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope's having a great year. Marcus Morris is valuable. Ish Smith's been playing out of his mind. I I feel like that team hasn't shown us what it can do and what it's going to do yet. What? I'm just curious. What about the Pistons makes you think they're going to turn it around? They seem like they're trying to get away from a style that worked. I have no idea. So it's just this gut feeling. Yeah. It's I mean, just, I thought they were going to finish like third in the in the East heading into the season, maybe fourth. And I can't shake that. Well, I don't know why. I've, I've literally no objective reason. They have one of the out. most overrated players in the NBA jumping center. They are not, fin- yes. they are not finishing third or fourth in the East. No, they're not. But okay. I, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I would bet on Chicago dropping off before them. So I, I yeah. would say yes. But I could see when I watch the Heat versus when I watch the Pistons and the Bulls, I feel like the Heat just look more real than those teams, if that makes any sense. Like I could buy – if you're telling me one of these three teams is going to surge, I would bank on it being Miami over any of the other two. Well, we're going to agree to disagree here. Well, speaking of Reggie Jackson, though, breaking rumor news from ESPN.com's Mark Stein, (laughs) the Pistons and Magic have discussed a trade that would send Reggie Jackson to Orlando for DJ Augustine and Jeff Green, which I assume is coming with a a first-round pick or Mario Herzonia or something because... Gross. Right. That's a... That's a, well, first of all, what in the actual hell are the Magic doing? You hate trade rumors. We had this conversation off-air. But I have to, I'm sorry, when it comes out like this. If, if Detroit, who is 27 and 30 heading into the All-Star break, if they trade Reggie Jackson for a package that includes Jeff Green, they're going to finish the season with 15 wins. I'm wondering if this is all, I'm about to tweet this, if this is just a ploy by the Magic to get Doc Rivers to give up a first-round pick for Jeff Green. <laughs> That's happened before, right? Like, I'm not imagining that. I think, like, three or four times before. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so, okay, let, let's say in a world that trade happens, are the Pistons making the playoffs? No. Not even <laughs> close. Not even close. If that trade happens, Orlando might finish with a better record. No. Oh, then Detroit? Yep. Have you watched the Magic? They are so bad. They have these random games. If I was a sports better... Jeff Green has that kind of impact. <laughs> you know, like, you know on the ESPN trade machine how it evaluates the trades with, like, plus X wins or minus Y wins? If they made that trade, it would be, like, plus 23 for, for, uh, for Detroit, for Orlando, and minus 23 for Detroit. Wait, really? Even if there were only 20 games left in the season. No, I'm making this up because I just hate how, how Jeff Green uh, I plays basketball. I honestly much. just thought you ran this through like the trade machine, no. and that's what it pop- I, It wouldn't surprise me because Jeff Green is like, he seems like he might be an okay guy, but maybe I just think that because he had that heart issue, and you tend, exactly. to, you tend to empathize there, but... Uh, that trade is I don't know that that trade is back crap crazy for the Pistons. They unless they're getting a first or I'm still I was on a radio station in Orlando today and they were telling me like that Mario Hazonia pick was awful and I'm like, you know, I still kind of believe in him. It's just Frank Vogel doesn't play him. We're seriously getting off track now though, but I that trade makes literally no sense. And if you're the Magic, I don't want Reggie Jackson, especially if I have Alfred, Alfred Payton on the roster. I mean, Jeff Green is anathema to good basketball. Like, that's as simple as I can make it. <laughs> All right, well, on that note, the Heat are definitely making the playoffs. And that is that it? You're, like, shaking, you're shaking your head at me. Is everything okay? <laughs> I just don't agree. If, the, if this trade happens, though, that was your cue to talk about it, but that's fine, too. I'm, sh- I'm still shaking my head. Oh, no? So if this trade happens, the Pistons are still getting into the playoffs before the Heat? Yes. This is – wasn't there a rumor, by the way, that said the Magic tried to get Dragic, and this is probably what they were offering, was like Jeff Green and DJ Augustine? It wouldn't surprise me. I don't remember that specific one. Okay, so we've tackled two. I'm going to try and get us back on track here <laughs> since I'm, I'm the one who's ADDing us into oblivion right now. We the two pleasant surprises we have are the Wizards and the Heat. Who is your team that's been surprising in the worst possible way? The New York Knicks. I'm just kidding because I, I was expected about to say, them yeah, to right. That. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Charlotte Hornets. It has to be the Hornets. They man, they fell off a cliff. They need to trade for Lou Williams. Interesting. Give Ramon Sessions his contract. It's not guaranteed next year, I don't think, or it's a team options. And then throw a first-round pick. Um, I mean, th- that would help. It would give them a jolt. And Lou Williams is certainly more valuable on offense than Jeremy Lin was last year. Him and Kemba playing together, if you can just – you got to throw your best defensive players around them, but that would be hella fun. Yeah, I don't really mind that, but I don't think it fixes everything. That team is just way too reliant on Kemba. What, it's. Nick, I think it's as simple as that. Nick Batum has had like, I don't even know what the word is because I can't even say one of the worst stretches like that I remember. It's just this: you watch him play, and you're like, "Is Nick Batum actually playing?" That's the feeling I've been get when I watching watching him yeah. during he's, this recent slide. I think he shot okay from three and done terrible in literally every other area. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the more disappointing players to me this whole season. 
I think he started out fairly strongly, but he's all but disappeared for that team, and they needed a secondary playmaker so badly. Marvin Williams has been underwhelming as well. Yeah. I mean, almost everyone on that team has been, except for probably Cody Zeller and Kemba. Yeah, until... Excuse me, I'm choking up because I I was really high on the Hornets. (coughs) All right, crying's over, but... Yeah, I Cody Zeller has maybe been a little bit better, but he's he's really just a screener at this point. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish up front with that Miles Plumley trade was a little bit bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about the Hornets is that if they wanted to pivot, they could fairly easily. Like they Nick Batum's contract is the worst contract on their roster. Like they have a bunch of these good deals, MKG. Mm-hmm. You're not trading Kemba. That'd be stupid. Cody Zeller's contract extension looks good. You can't trade trading him this season would be hard because of the cap holds and everything. But they they could technically pivot and try and do something. But they don't they don't have the assets to get better this year. The, the Lou Williams trade would be their ceiling on an acquisition. They can't go out there and get Wilson Chandler would be great for this roster. Maybe Danilo Gallinari, but they can't go out there and get him because teams when they're giving up real value instead of just cap space or picks, they're not going to want Marvin Williams. They're not going to want, you know, I don't even like, they're not going to want Frank Kaminsky as a prospect to headline the deal. I feel like the Hornets are just kind of stuck this season. They probably could trade for someone like Williams, Lou Williams, but why would you? Like you're not even guaranteed to make the playoffs in the East. If you do, you're just going to get murdered in the first round. Like just, just wait it out. Keep developing your younger players, and then use the offseason to make some changes. You need to, they need to break up that front court, right? Cody Zeller, Frank Kaminsky, Marvin Williams, Miles Plumley. Yeah, I think you need to move Marvin probably because you need to figure out if Kaminsky and Zeller are the future pieces. I really like Cody Zeller. He's a good screener. I, I, I can't get over watching him screen. I feel like that would be. One of my irrational worst nightmares would be having to try and fight over a screen set by Cody Zeller. <laughs> and it works so perfectly in that Hornet system because they initiate so much of their offense with like double pick and rolls up at the top. So he's really vital to what they do. Um, if Kaminsky can become more comfortable as an offensive threat, I think that pairing can work. But that leaves Marvin as the odd man out. Yeah, and there there are teams that I think would trade for him. I don't, I don't know that you would get necessarily good value back for him, but... I'm trying to think off the top of my head where it would be a good landing spot for him, and I'm not coming up with one. I'd rather see him in New Orleans than Jaleel Okafor. Um, Marvin Williams is going to end up going to the Spurs and becoming a ridiculous stretch four again. Wait, Marvin Williams is what? He's going to end up going to the Spurs this offseason or something and just turn into this ridiculously dangerous stretch four because Greg Popovich. Man, that would be awesome. Or You know the Zach Lowe report that the Spurs tried to steal? Quote, quotes, steal Stanley Johnson from the Pistons in November. That would have been one of the scariest. Could you imagine Stanley Johnson on the Spurs? I can't imagine anyone on the Spurs. Yeah, that's fair. But <laughs> I guess back, to bring it back to the Hornets point, would you move Marvin Williams this season? Or are you for, let's just see I, this yeah, through? I, you would do I would, it? I would be sellers if I were the Hornets right now. The, the thing is, though, is like they need, they need some more, like they don't play Michael K. Gilchrist at power forward much. And he doesn't actually track good defensively there. I remember, 
this the season before last, watching him see some minutes at four, and then I haven't really seen him play the four. This like it was just underwhelming. And what do you do if you trade Marvin Williams? Like you you then you have no front court floor. Like Kaminsky is not an average three point shooter yet. No, they're trying, but it's just not there. Yeah, I just don't think you worry about it this season yet. But. How, what are you selling off of that's going to make... Kemba's going to give you wins on his own. You're not trading Nick Batum. Is it worth it to do that now when it's not really... The Knicks, the Sixers, the Magic, and the Nets are the ones behind you in the East. How are you really going to increase the value of your draft position? Maybe by being worse than that glut of eight seed contenders in the West? Exactly. That might be a good segue, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even moving down a couple spots is going to be really helpful in this draft class because there's so much talent at the top. I mean, I think without veering too far off topic, but you want to be in one of the top 11 spots this year. And in the Hornets' case, I'm about to say something really stupid, but in the Hornets' case, you can probably justify like, hey, we don't want to be in the top five or six because we're not drafting a point guard. Mm-hmm. And there's, what is there, like one wing in a top consensus top five or something like that? Probably two, Josh Jackson and Jason Tatum. You think both of those guys are going to go in the top five? The top two are set. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm not sure about that yet. So the Hornets should be sellers. I don't disagree. Um, In my head, I'm just trying to think of what they would get back for the people they could sell off is the problem. But it is, like I said, they don't have a bad contract on the books. But Tombs is probably the worst, and even that would be movable at this point. They're one of the weird teams that even though they're just in that no-man's land in the standings, they're not really in huge long-term trouble. No, not at all. Which but you were segueing to the Western Conference earlier, and I think one of the surprises has been that what we expected early in the season kind of has been accurate, which is that the seven there are seven clear-cut playoff teams in the West – and the eight spot is just totally up for grabs. It might be surprising who's in contention for that because it's everyone. I mean, the Nuggets currently hold it at 25 and 31, but <laughs> if if you moved, yeah, that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. If you move down the standing, Sacramento's a game and a half back. The Portland Trailblazers are two games back. The Pelicans are two and a half games back. The Mavericks are three games back after a midseason surge. And then the Timberwolves are three and a half games back. I think we can rule out the Lakers and the Suns because they're not making any noise. But you legitimately have six teams in contention for that final spot. And I think there are reasonable arguments that any one of them could win it. Yeah. The one thing I want to move as an aside, too, and I need to take flack for is I predicted that the Nuggets were going to be better than the Thunder this year, which they are clearly not. I don't know if I was drunk when we did that podcast. Do you rule that out for sure? At six, this point, six and, six and, and a half games. games. Back. The Thunder are kind of falling can, apart. Can I get credit if they finish? I would like partial credit for my prediction if they finish 2.5 games or closer to the Thunder. Sure. Where would they be, the Nuggets? You know what? We would be wrong about this playoff race if the Nuggets didn't take so long to put Jokic as the lone big in the starting five. That's yep. what's crazy about this. Yep. And that's exactly why I think the current standings are going to hold, at least in the top eight. I don't see Portland looked like it really might have been that team because once they put Evan Turner in the starting five, something just clicked. Like he became valuable all of a sudden, at least on defense. And now that he's out, 
I guess you can't say that's a huge downgrade, but like stuff was working. Now you don't have defensive depth really on the wings. Harkless hasn't been fantastic on that end this year. Al Farouk Amanu has been, but you need more than one lockdown stopper on the perimeter. They need to break up their glut of bigs in the front court. I, I They would be the team to watch just because can you count out Lillard and McCollum when the gap is only two games? No, you really can't, but... The Pelicans just don't have the offense to do it, and their defense has all of a sudden been sputtering. The Kings are just terrible. I can't, I can't believe that they're only one. I can't believe they're still ninth. Honestly, I thought they were going to be lower by now, and then once Rudy Gay was lost to the Achilles injury, I thought they were going to be much lower. That's the other thing. Like So many of these teams have the injury woes that are going to keep them from rising. The Kings don't have Rudy Gay anymore. The Blazers don't have Evan Turner right now. The Timberwolves lost Zach Levine. You know, and they I mean, lost Lance Stevenson. Big, big loss one. there. Um, I mean, I don't believe in the Mavericks. I think that that was kind of a fluky little Rick Carlisle run. Their backcourt's interesting, though. It's Not, interesting, Yogi, Yogi, but I don't think it's good enough to climb back three games on the Nuggets. No, and they should probably think about selling, but you look at their roster and you're like, you know, who do you sell? Yeah. So to me, I think it's going to end up coming down – to the Pelicans just because Anthony Davis is a monster, the Blazers and the Nuggets, and I, d- I don't think anyone's going to move past this Denver team. I don't see it, barring an injury to Jokic. But the other thing like with the You Nuggets can look at the last, the last game before the All-Star break, they lost to the Timberwolves, but it was a close game playing without Gallinari. Yeah, I mean, uh, this has been an injured team that is still winning games. They just throttled the Warriors earlier this week. Jokic has been, I think you can argue Jokic has been a top 10 player for the last two months. And they have good pieces around him now who are starting to cut and who are starting to develop. Jamal Murray's looked a lot better lately. Juancho Hernan Gomez has looked a lot better lately. So good. He's made Daniel Gallinari look expendable. Exactly. So I, I feel like this is a team that's starting to gain confidence at the right time, especially on the home court. And I, I don't think anyone's going to move past them. Do you see an issue, though, once Emmanuel Moutier is fully healthy coming back where he might almost be a deterrent for them? When I remember yes, whatever games he missed. Okay, just because there are people are like, well, the Nuggets are missing like Moutier and Chandler and, and Gallo and whatever. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> missing Moutier is like kind of addition by subtraction for them still. Jameer Nelson has been really good offensively, too. Right. The Nuggets, if they can get any defense... If, imagine if they were able to trade for some defensive help. I know the popular theory that's being pulled along by me, so it's probably not even a popular theory. Would be go out there and get Jimmy Butler, which you absolutely do. But if they could get just like just a wing that can come in and cut off some dribble penetration, that could be a little bit better than Wilson Chandler on that end. Just just help out. They don't really have that stopper, and if they could get him, they. You know they're not going to beat the Warriors in the first round, but they would. There'll be no chance of any other team securing the eighth two, spot at that point. I have two things to respond to. One is that the defense should be a little bit better after the All Star break, just because of Mason Plumley. Like you're going from Nurkic, who was one of the worst interior defenders, despite how physical he is, to Plumley, who's a legitimately solid, not great, but solid rim protector. I mean, I think he's allowing a lot, around like 48 percent, which is by far the best mark on this Denver on this Denver roster. They Second, better not I'm gonna interrupt. They better not. I don't wanna see the Jokic Mason Plumley front court. I, I don't want to see it. It's for short spurts maybe, but 
I'm with I, you on that. I, I don't think it would be that stark of an upgrade over Nurkic and Jokic. And I honestly think if you would take rookie year Nurkic and put him alongside Jokic, he has a better chance of succeeding than this version of Plumlee does. Fair. Carry on. I think <laughs> second point is that the Warriors are going to really be hoping that the Nuggets don't get that eighth seed. Yeah, you were because, talking about this, right? You said you think yeah, the Nuggets are a bad matchup I think for them. The Nuggets are a really bad matchup for the Warriors. Why? I'm not good enough to beat them in a series, but the only team that has been on the same level as the Warriors offensively since Jokic moved back into the starting lineup has been the Nuggets. They can score with anybody, and their defense is so bad that that matters against most teams, but it doesn't matter as much against a Warriors team that's already maximizing every possession. It's not like that Warriors offense is suddenly going to get even more dangerous against a really bad defense. So it almost mitigates the negative impact of that defensive atrocity and makes it a bit more of a level playing field. I think that it's just going to be a one high scoring game after another, and it wouldn't be a sweep. I can get on board with that. Hot taking here? I don't think so. The Nuggets are kind of who we expected the Rockets to be. Like Rockets light, just because their record. We thought Houston was going to be terrible defensively. The, the thing I question, and it, maybe it's a non-issue at this point, because they've been, I think the Nuggets are shooting almost 40% from three over their last 15 games or something. But can they continue to hit threes at such a high clip? Like that, if you're going to go shot for shot with the Warriors, it has to be because you're maintaining close to their level of three point, not just efficiency, but volume. And over the last 15 games, I think I don't know why I was looking at this the other day, but I think the Nuggets have averaged almost 33-point attempts a game, and the Warriors are still four or five ahead of them per game. And that matters because the Warriors are going to match your efficiency. And if you're, if you're going to play this style against them, that's why I could almost see it being a sweep, is because the Warriors' defense is so good. I get what you're saying. If, it, if they're going to sweep the Nuggets, they're going to sweep any matchup, though. I, I, I don't think— Any matchup in the NBA? Well, any realistic eight seed matchup. Okay, I was, like, I, I was like, excuse me. I mean, I'm I'm not predicting anything more than like a four one series if that comes to pass. I, I just think that if the Warriors are looking at who they'd most like to avoid in the first round, I think they'd probably rather play the Thunder. Yeah, that's I, all right. I'll I'll go that far for sure. Especially the Nuggets' offense has been just absurd for the last like 25 games. And, and I guess we're at the point where we can say we can count on it being like that because it's been like that for so long. I would be interested to see just how like, you know how the Grizzlies kind of gum up the Warriors when they face them in the playoffs with the exception of last year. Like would that happen with the Nuggets at all? Because they don't really have the defense to gum up like the Warriors speed. Like what if Golden State just all of a sudden decides to take their speed away? Because the Nuggets really aren't built to play in the half court. I guess if you're running things through that no would kids, be an interesting schematic shift there, right? If the so, if the Warriors went out of their way to slow games down, but maybe maybe that doesn't matter because Jokic would probably like that. So I I might even be like, you take Moutier out of that fold and you run half court, then then you're fine probably. Yeah. So again, just to be clear, not predicting an upset by any means. To be even just more clear, Adam just matchup. to be even more clear, Adam just said that if the Warriors are going to sweep the Nuggets, they're going to sweep anyone, which includes the Spurs, the Cavaliers the Rockets at all. I mean, there's a legitimate chance the Warriors sweep their way through the playoffs, right? Oh, yeah. There's just... I, I said this last year when I was trying to believe that the Cavaliers had a chance. 
that I didn't envision any team beating them four times in seven tries. How do you even begin to envision it now? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Now, so since we're kind of on this to move away from the Nuggets a little bit because it won't be them. Although I guess this plays into the Nuggets too. Do you see any of these teams tanking because the like the thick of teams competing is just so big? And to the Nuggets' point on that would be the Nuggets look like they need to any trade they make needs to be a blockbuster. But are they at the point now where they would trade Wilson, Chandler, or Danilo Gallinari independently of a bigger deal? Because they don't need picks or prospects, but Gallo is going to be a free agent this summer as a player option. Chandler will be there in 2018. And unless Jimmy Butler becomes available, there's nothing out there for you to really chase on the trade market. I think they are possible candidates to be moved, but it wouldn't be for the purposes of tanking. Like They're only going to make those moves if they have enough confidence in Hernan Gomez stepping up and Kenneth Fareed playing well enough alongside Jokic to to cancel out the loss because I mean so I'm I'm in Denver and I get to go to games sometimes and this team just really wants really wants a playoff berth because they need that fan involvement. I, I, I know that's an issue in pretty much every city, but like this is a Broncos town first no. and foremost and probably second and third as well. And they need to keep competing and build off this current momentum to get fans in seats and tanking right now would be the worst thing that they could do. Well, I didn't think they were going to tank. I was, it was more of just like a separate question. Do you think they would move them? Like, would they move Danilo Gallinari for salary cap filler and a pick at this point? Like, because if you're saying if they want a playoff berth, I know Gallinari is a flight risk and they don't want to pay him, but then why not just stand pat because you're not going to get anything. I think they're going to anyway. So you don't think they would trade Chandler or Gallinari basically as an in an independent deal. I could see them moving Chandler as an independent deal, but not Gallinari. Which is weird because I made the case that Chandler is more important to the Nuggets, but Gallinari is the more valuable player. Why would they move Chandler before they would move Gallo? Is it just because of the contract They're, situation they could get more? Yeah, the contract situation and just the makeup of the roster is shifting a little bit. Now that Nurkic was never going to play the four next to Jokic again, they're going to try playing Mason Plumley next to him. And you're seeing a lot more from Hernan Gomez lately. So you don't need Chandler's versatility quite as much as, as you used to. Don't you still kind of need it for him? He's not a great defender, sure. but when you yeah, need, you definitely need it, but don't you need it more than gallows is what I'm saying. I think, yeah. There, who knows with this team? It's so weird to think about it now that it's all offense, everything. I wish there was more national interest in the Nuggets because I could talk about them for hours and hours and write about I, like 10,000 words on them because their situation— They're legitimately one of the most fun teams to watch. And their situation is so unique. Like, it, they're like the Boston Celtics of the West, but they, they can't—they're not ready right now. Like, they just have—you can see them going in so many different directions because they have all those pieces in place. Yep. Um, do we see out of Sacramento, Portland, New Orleans, Dallas? I'm not going to throw Minnesota in there because I'm not sure who they would trade to really tank. They're they're all most of their players are so young. But out of Sacramento, Portland, New Orleans, Dallas, at least one of these teams has to be like, hey, like this isn't going to happen. Why are we fighting for the right to get swept by the Warriors in the first round? Who is going to be that team to sell to tank? New Orleans. I think you're going to see them start to shop Tyreek Evans pretty heavily that they might 
agree to trade Drew Holiday in conjunction with Omer Ashik to get him off the roster. That would and be just, an interesting play. And just restart around Davis again. Really, Davis and Buddy healed. That would be – that's a Sixers deal right there. Holiday and Ashik for just Okafor and, I guess, cap filler because I don't think the Sixers have that much space to absorb the two of them. Well, that's the one that was proposed, right? That's what I think that was the trade that the Sixers would have wanted. But you have to ask yourself if you're the Pelicans, are you confident in Tim Frazier and Langston Galloway moving forward to get rid of Holiday at the same time he's a free agent? Well, no, no, you, you're counting on you're counting on finishing with one of the top picks in the draft and getting one of the point guards. That's true. I didn't really think of it that way. They should absolutely do that. I don't really want to I mean, need Drew Holiday even, back even in Philly. Past but... Markel Fultz and, and Lonzo Ball, like you're still looking at guys like Dennis Smith and De'Aaron Fox as legitimate NBA starters. And to get out from that Ashid contract, all that cap space would be good for them. Yeah. I think Dallas is the second most likely just because they do have some veterans they could shop around. It wouldn't, I mean, I think there's probably some sort of market for Darren Williams and Devin Harris, and you could move Wesley Matthews, though I don't think you would, and Andrew Bogut for sure. Who's trading for Andrew Bogut? I think people would wait for him to buy it. I'm, I'm on board with the Pelicans because when you look at them, the Blazers can't sell because you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Like, whoever you sell, like, your team is still going to tread water where it is. Um, Unless you sell Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. Which, that might be a story to visit over the offseason, but... yeah. The Kings aren't selling because they're the Kings. Like They're going to chase this eight seed to no end. Even though, now would be the time for them to sell because DeMarcus Cousins just came out and said, I want to stay here. So now it's like, screw the optics. We know we're going to have this guy. Like Let's what strip optics? it down to the studs. and get you, think, <laughs> you think anyone left in Sacramento is expecting good optics? That's fair. <laughs> but what, like, what are, I'm using like too much in this podcast. I go through spurts. What are you chasing at this point, you know the number eight seed is going to end in a sweep. Why? Do you really want those extra two games of playoff revenue? Do you really think anyone's going to believe that? Because you snagged the eighth seed in one of the crappiest, cruddiest, crummiest playoff races we have seen in the history of the Western Conference, or at least in recent memory, they're just going to say, hey, the Kings are headed in the right direction. Don't you think it matters a little bit, though, that we're looking at an 11-year playoff drought? I feel no. like that that changes the expectations They're, a little the bit. The Kings are making money. That's the difference to me too. This is not this isn't a team like what would be an example and there's my like again. The say the Atlanta Hawks hadn't made the playoffs in 10 or 11 years where they're not drawing in these crowds, these huge crowds. Maybe they're a team that I could understand doing that. But when you look at teams like the Knicks or the Kings because they're making money, and in the Kings' case, you know you have your star of the future on lock now. Why not forget it? Strip it down to the studs. You should be in a conversation for one of those point guards. You have Darren Collison is not your point guard of the future. Ty Lawson is not your point guard of the future. Garrett Temple, who's a small forward shooting guard, has a better chance of being your point guard of the future. <laughs> for what it's worth, Darren Collison's having a really good year. He's not your point guard of the future, though. No. I'm just saying. Just saying. Shout out Darren Collison. And his domestic violence abuse charges. Yeah, unshout out Darren Collison. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dallas, though, would I guess would be this. I actually view the Kings as the second most likely to sell, even though I just went on that rant, because I don't know if you're Dallas who you sell. They're still going to want to be active in free agency. 
flipping Devin Williams unless you don't have to take anything back in returns isn't going to help you. Same with Bogut. Devin Harris's deal maybe, but he doesn't make that much. J.J. Barrera, are you going to get rid of him? You have Yogi Ferrell and you have Seth Curry. Are you really enamored with the point guards in the draft? to add them on this core maybe because they're both on such short-term deals, but you're not getting rid of Harrison Barnes. You're not getting rid of Wesley Matthews and a teardown has to begin or at least include some substantial piece. And the Mavericks don't have that substantial piece that they're willing to trade. Even Bleacher Report's Eric Malinkowski, I hope I didn't butcher his name, proposed a Seth Curry trade and Mark Cuban responded to it saying it's not going to happen. Yeah. So the Kings would be the second most likely to me um, just because the Mavericks don't have the willingness or the means, and then the Blazers are right there. The, the Pelicans fall into it by default. I just hope that they don't end up being like reverse sellers where they're not quite buyers, but they gave up a first-round pick for Jaleel Okafor so they could get rid of a Jinx's contract. That yeah. was one of the weirdest, most pointless trades that have pro- popped up in recent memory. Circling back, though, who do you agree that Denver gets the eighth seed? I don't yeah, think you've ever explicitly said that. Oh, I thought I did. Not a question. The, to me, the Western Conference playoff picture is set. I think the Jazz will usurp the Clippers, and I think the order we have right now is the order we're going to have. Well, that would lead to some fun matchups. Low key, I want the Clippers to fall to sixth. Let's get Clippers Rockets, see if the Clippers get bounced in the first round, maximize your chaos. For this offseason when Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are both free agents. J.J. Redick as well. I can't root against Chris Paul in the playoffs. I want him to get to that conference finals so badly. Who leaves if the Clippers get bounced in the first round or they, they get bounced in a non-competitive second round matchup? Everyone. All right. Yeah, I, I don't think that big three remains together if they don't pull off a massive upset in the playoffs. Fair. It's time to break it up. Who leaves then, though? You're copping out here. Was Chris it everyone? Paul. Was that your answer? Everyone. Chris Paul leaves. Chris Paul replaces Tony Parker. You think the Spurs would trade Tony Parker? He's got one year left. Use him as a backup. I don't know where that cap space is coming from. If they can get rid of Pau Gasol, who has a player option that he's going to exit. I'm on board. Chris Paul, the Spurs. I don't know where he goes other than the Clippers or the Spurs, though. It's not going to be the Knicks to play with Melo now. Can you imagine if he did what no other star is willing to do and signed with like the Sixers? Him. Like we've talked, we've talked in the past about guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant recognizing what a promising situation there is in like Philadelphia and going there. But what if what if Chris Paul did that? that would be- or like the Nuggets. The Nuggets have so much cap space, and they need a point guard. The Nuggets would be fun and make more sense because you've seen stuff from their players in place. Joel Embiid's injury history. That that prospect. What if he goes to the Timberwolves? It's not going to the Timberwolves. No, I, I'm I'm just using these as examples, though. The Denver Nuggets would be fun. That would be that would be the team. That would be the team. Because be so much fun. The Sixers, you haven't seen enough. If we're gonna go with this long shot conspiracy theory scenario. The Sixers have kind of hurt themselves because of Embiid's injury now with the meniscus and the fact that we haven't seen Ben Simmons yet. Now right. you're still joining that mystery product that you don't want to join. The The Nuggets are going to be, and if they make the playoffs, that's why, and I'm just proving your point now, that's kind of why playoff berth is really important to them too. If they make 
the playoffs with this roster, playing the basketball that they have since, uh, since, wow, since they just swapped out Nurkic from the starting five with Jokic, that's like a an alert to free agents out there. Hey, come here. I know Denver's not a destination, but at the same time, like, look at that core. You have a star already in Jokic, so you're not going to be the lone star. And you arguably have at least one more star on that roster if they hit on Gary Harris or Jamal Murray, who seems like the most likely candidate. And they have Moutier, who they could package with salary filler to get you another impact player. And Hernan Gomez. I don't know if he belongs in the star conversation. I'm not sure I agree with that. Ceiling on Juan I'm Hernan Gomez. I'm really, really high on him. What, what's like high? Like what is, what is his ceiling? Above average starter at small forward. So, like, not could star. You, could you see him being better than Danilo Gallinari? I could see him being on that level. I mean, hey, again, but that just speaks to like, and that's the Nuggets. That's what also why they're comparable to the Celtics. And I love that we're talking about the Nuggets right now. They can go out there and sign a free agent this summer and turn around and still be able to basically offer the same package for a Jimmy Butler or a Paul George who will probably never become available, but that type of player that they can offer now. And that's what you have to think about as a free agent because they don't need to include Jokic in that deal. No, I mean, I, I think there's a legitimate chance that they could this offseason, well, I guess not a legitimate chance, but in my, in my wildest dreams, is it that unlikely that they could offer something like their remaining first-round pick, a future pick, Malik Beasley and Gallinari, in a sign and trade for like Jimmy Butler and then bring Chris Paul on board. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, Chris Paul, Gary Harris, Jimmy Butler, Fareed and Jokic with Jamal Murray as your sixth man. And that's a championship contender. For sure. sure. I I don't know if you would, I think in any of those types of trades though, at least one of Harris or Murray would have to be included. And it might even have to be Murray just because Gary Harris is extension eligible this year. That kind of snuck up on us quickly. But that, yeah. that's still the situation they're in. And that, that's crazy to think about. Yep. The, it, 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 is, it is comparable to this situation the Celtics are in. I got into a debate on Twitter with friend of Hardwood Knox, James Hollis, and Kelly, Kelly Scaletta. The Celtics don't need to make a consolidation move now, just like the Nuggets don't need to because they have that cap space without forfeiting these other guys that are already on their roster. You can sign someone, turn it around, and add to that core, like twice over. Agreed. But before we dive too far down this rabbit hole, I think we should save that for another time and wrap this one up and move on to our our last segment. So that would mean that it's time for... That's right. It's Burns My Bacon is back. I think it's been gone for a minute on a semi-indefinite hiatus. I'm going to take the easy way out today and rant about the New York Knicks, specifically owner James Dolan, more specifically his treatment of Knicks legend Charles Oakley. We can all admit that Oakley was wrong. Oh, for people who don't know that he was arrested at Madison Square Garden and given what turned out to be a temporary ban because of an altercation he had with security personnel in which he got physical. That was prompted because he was apparently saying things to James Dolan or being mean to people around. On some level, he was wrong. It doesn't matter how wrong he was, though, because 
the perception of the Knicks is so bad right now that people were more inclined to blame James Dolan, even though they sh- they saw Charles Oakley physically, I guess, assault or or physically touch like these security guards or these Madison Square Garden employees. You see that, and you still go after Dolan, which I have no problem with. He is the worst owner in the NBA right now. The interview he did afterwards was disgusting, despicable, accused Oakley of being an alcoholic. People are now wondering why Oakley hasn't quashed this beef after they had the meeting with Adam Silver and Michael Jordan and whoever else was there. Why would you want to reconcile with this D-bag? It's just, it's awful. And now the optics in the Knicks to make this in a, a grander scheme, who wants to sign there? You're the Knicks. You have cap space this summer. You're probably still going to have Carmelo Anthony who is this gateway to other stars. You think Chris Paul is going to take your calls? Wouldn't you want that meeting, even if you want to rebuild, but they're the Knicks, they could pivot. You would want that meeting with Chris Paul. You want that meeting with Kyle Lowry. I don't know. Maybe they'll get those meetings still, but they're never going to be more as leverage for other contracts so long as Phil Jackson and James Dolan are running the show. And James Dolan is just this petulant, spoiled, rich brat who's just so tone deaf. It makes me sick. And the final concern would be, I used to think that Kristaps Porzingis was so good the Knicks couldn't F him up. I'm no longer that confident because they've succeeded in putting him in bad situations defensively, surrounding him by two ball dominators, and he suffered as a result, visibly so. I agree with everything you just said, and I think the situation becomes even worse because you could spend another five minutes talking about how poorly Phil Jackson has handled things. He's just awful. The worst. But that will do it for us here at the Hardwood Knox Podcast. If you want to talk with us, you can hit us on Twitter. Adam is at Frommel09. That's F-R-O-M-A-L-0-9. You can get at me at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Andy is at Andrew D. Bailey, spelt like it sounds. All of us can be found, sometimes, rarely, if you're lucky, at the official at Hardwood Knox Twitter account. Until next time. All right, I need to go figure out why. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone 10R with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The iPhone 10R is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone 10R is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone 10R included for just 40 bucks a month. 
Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger. Your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.